Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Sure, Nintendo dropped a lot of news last week, but let's talk about some rumors instead. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including some new titles that may or may not be coming to the Switch. And then on Thursday, come back because we are going to be talking about the demos that were released last week for Yoshi's Crafted World and Damon X Machina. But Mark, in the meantime, how is the demo for you? My demo is always going great, Patrick. <laughs> I'm cherishing every moment we have together. As as am I. Uh, I do feel like we are in like an early beta of Patrick right now. This is the early early access version. Well, as far as I can tell, it's the full release is going to be beautiful. Yeah, it's it's going to be great. I'm still going to hold out until like uh, a like price game drop, of the year edition. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, yeah for sure. Other. I want I want all the DLC altogether. together. <laughs> uh, but you're doing well. I'm doing great. Thank uh, you for asking. How are you? Uh, I'm also doing well. Thank you. Listeners, uh, we hope you're doing well. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you really had to think about that. I did have to think about that. Like, do I care? And I thought, yeah. Yeah. For the, for the sake of the show, let's just say that I do. That I care. I hope everyone's doing well. Um, here's something that you can do uh, in addition to doing well. <laughs> You can borrow my copy of Sonic Forces. All you got to do is email us your mailing address, and I send it to you. And that's just Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. And then you get my copy of the game uh, for your Switch. Play you can... it for as long mm-hmm. as you want. Patrick includes return postage, so it costs you nothing. Right. Just your soul. Yeah, you do have to live with a little hedgehog in your house. It's like a metaphor, but it's not, there's no, I don't send a real live animal. Uh, thank you to Jay Joinus. Is that how you how you would pronounce that? I was gonna say joins. Joins. Mm-hmm. Uh, for leaving us a five star review on Apple Podcasts, you can be just like Jay Joins and leave us a five star review wherever you get your podcasts. Um, that helps us out. It's how people find the show. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Yes. So thank you very much, Mark. We've got uh, a special month coming up. That's right. March is. Retro month. Every Thursday, we're going to be talking about another weird sequel. Yes, weird retro sequels. We are going to be exploring the following classics in the following order. Um, on uh, March 7th, Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. On March 14th, Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins. On the 21st, Zoda's Revenge, Star Tropic 2. And on the 28th, Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest. We'd love for you to play these games with us. Or just write in, if you've played the games in the past, your thoughts about them, your memories of them. I wonder if we're driving some people crazy because I've written here that it's Mario Land 2, which I'm sure the real name is Super Super Mario Mario Land Land 2. 2. Yeah, I mean, that is almost certainly true. But that's just the NCS trademark. mm -hmm, That's right. Just getting one detail wrong over and over again. Oh, look, I think our slavish, devo- slavish devotion to calling it Zoda's Revenge Star Tropics 2. Yeah, but we didn't do that for a very long time. Well, but it's fixed now, Mark. 
Stop living in the past. That's right. Live in the, the future. The future is beautiful. Live in the future. It's all about Retromon. <laughs> um, I, but yes, please do play along and uh, write into us uh, at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com gmail. and let us know what your experiences with these games are. It is going to be a lot of fun. All right, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. So I've been slowly making my way through Majora's Mask 3D. Mm-hmm. I finished the Woodfall Temple and am did all like the busy work or the prep work to get into Snowfall Temple. Or sorry, excuse me, Snowhead Temple. Yes. I just uh, reset time, and so I'm re- I'm like have a fresh start, ready to go into the temple. So take it head on. The last time that I tried to play through this game, this was the temple that broke me because. When you do it, you free the Gorons from their, you know, icy snowtop, whatever. And then uh, when you go back in time three days, because you have to, uh, to keep going and exploring new temples, uh, that it's frozen again. And for whatever reason, that was too much. Like, emotionally, I was like, no, no matter what I do, I can't save the Gorons. Oh, yeah. No, I completely understand why people don't like this game. I'm not even saying that I don't like the game. I uh, do. Are, are you finding that you are enjoying it? Or yeah, no, I, I'm enjoying it a lot. Like I talked about last week, I think the 3DS version is like the definitive way to play this game. I know that's not uh, not everybody agrees with that assessment, but for me, I th- think that's definitely true. Um, but it is like uniquely stressful in a way that no other Zelda game is, for the reason that you mentioned. Like every time you reset the cycle all the stuff that you had done and all of the changes that you had made in the world are also reset. Yeah, and that's it's weirdly, it's not stressful when it's just like, oh, I don't have that item anymore, you know, whatever, like that sort of thing. When it does, when it's you, for whatever reason, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But when you're like, all the progress that I made for these other people, like it, it has that really like bad effect of like, no, your, your heroic deeds are going to go unnoticed and it's never going to happen. And yeah, we're going to suffer. I mean, I guess the silver lining in all of this is when you do actually beat the main story, mm. everybody's lives are better. I don't yeah. think it. Well, you mean in that they're not crushed by the moon? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that that is preferable to being crushed by the moon. I mean, I guess the other thing about this game, unless I'm completely misremembering, is that if what you love about Zelda is the dungeons. Majora's Mask is not the game for you because there aren't that many dungeons. Yeah, there's just like four of them, I think right? there's just four temples. And th- uh, at least the Woodfall Temple is not very long or particularly complex. I don't have a ton yeah. of memories of the Snowhead Temple or the other one, so I don't know for sure. But it feels like a lot of the game is you finding joy in doing the side stories and completing, like, making those people's lives better even though the time gets, Once. like, reset. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, if you don't like that kind of stuff, or that's, like, your least favorite part of Zelda games, I completely understand why Majora's Mask is not for everybody. Uh, I have been playing Final Fantasy IX because it, it came out uh, last week with, with the Direct. Um, this is uh, the not the definitive version of... Well, I mean, maybe it is. Maybe there is no definitive version of Final Fantasy IX anymore. Yeah, I don't know because the original is bad in its own ways. Yes, like that's mostly right. like the loading times and everything. Yeah, so the um the problem with this version, there are a couple problems with this version of it. I, I guess it's the same as the like mobile port that uh, came out a couple years ago. 
Um, so it, it has a, a bug in the, a, a music bug so that anytime you get attacked, um, and like return back to the, the world map, the music track starts over. So you only ever hear like the first 15 seconds at most of what of is like a 15 theme. minute long track. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is a, a little bit of a pain in the butt. Um, but uh, it, it also, it replaces all of the text uh, that you, used to be this very, I guess I don't know, like 32-bit um, looking font with a very clean, like sort of Apple-y uh, font. And um, I'm assuming they did that for mobile devices to make it like more legible on mobile devices. I, I mean, I would guess so. Um, it does look jarring. Yeah, it, it, it definitely looks like it is not of the same world. But also, like speaking of not of the same world, um, all of the... Uh, character models have been like redone and upresed, and uh, especially they did an especially careful job of doing that to all of the main characters. So all of the main characters actually look pretty good, um, but it can be jarring to see them with uh, like an NPC that's just like someone in the back of uh, an inn, like washing dishes. Like that character model will oh, look like crap, and then your character model looks great, and then they're all on this static background which is, like, super low-res. So, like, there are lots of different levels of, like, art quality in this thing, uh, all sort of happening at once. And I knew that that was going to be the case with this, but I was like, ah, it's Final Fantasy IX, I want to play it again. Um, And so I'm not, like, regretting it or anything, but, like, you know, buyer beware a little bit on this one that it's, it's not going to... They haven't... This isn't like a remaster or like a full re like it's it's just them pushing out a, a flawed mobile port. It's of like this a game. maybe good enough version if you want to play it on Switch. Yeah, and I mean the the thing that's like w- the weirdest about it to me is that it doesn't feel like uh you know like if if I were somehow able to just play the PlayStation One version of Final Fantasy IX that it would have a lot of flaws and it would look bad in a lot of places. It would sound bad in a lot of places, blah, 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 blah. Um, but like, I don't even have that, that complete package, you know, it's, it's bad in some ways and good in others. And like the ways that it's good in don't mesh with the way that it's bad. Um, so it's, it, it is definitely a, a bizarre experience, still a, a really good game and like a, a super fun final fantasy. Um, and like, I find myself moved by, uh vivi again that little magical doll man um i love him so much what what do the cinematics look like are they widescreen are they like remastered or anything no they don't look great um but that that like that's i'm fine with that when like when everything on screen at once all looks the same kind of bad your mind just like corrects for it and like yeah if you were showing it you know showing me that next to like a high res version of the same cutscene, I'd be like, I prefer this one, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter. And these are also, you know, uh, pre-rendered cutscenes and pre-rendered backgrounds from like 1999 or 2000 or something like that. Um, so like even at their highest resolution, they were never going to look that good anyway. Like you go back and look at, you know, Toy Story 2 and you're like, oh, okay. I, you know, and this isn't as, even that high quality either have you been playing mostly in handheld or on tv both i've gone back mm-hmm. and forth um is it less jarring in handheld or not, not really, really not really That's i mean it's it's uh the the backgrounds are really low res and i guess part of the reason for this is that um like square after they made final fantasy 7 8 and 9 were just like dumping the source code for all of these things that's very common with uh japanese developed games uh, in this time period like the same thing happened with 
the Silent Hill, when they went to make the Silent Hill collection, it's like the source code didn't exist. They just were not Japanese companies at the time, just didn't see any value in it. So it's very common. Yeah, I just, I mean, the thing that's so weird about that uh, for me with uh, Final Fantasy is just to, because the game is full of pre-rendered backgrounds, which means that they rendered these back, like someone made, someone made these things digitally and like, sure, you couldn't in the game engine, like move a camera around, but there was some rendering engine that someone like made all of these towns and all of these villages and all of these like castles and amazing stuff. And it's just like... It's just gone. Like we still have the, uh, you know, the the crappy like JPEG of the village that you're walking around in. But like, my God. Yeah, I mean, my understanding, and I don't really understand the technical details of it, is like, uh, at the time, these companies were basically just, uh, they weren't writing them in a game engine as we think of them today, like Frostbite or mm-hmm. um, Unreal Engine or something, where that those like assets or that work can be reused from game to game. It was pretty much like. Uh, ground up per game we're just like building this game and so in their mind there was no reason to keep any of this code because none of it was reusable yeah and i mean i guess i guess that does make sense the thing that's uh, crazy about that where final fantasy is concerned is that this is the the playstation one generation so it means that they are also in the midst of re-releasing the super nintendo era final fantasy games for the playstation so like they must have already been in at least a little bit of an archival like mode of thinking to be like, oh yeah, we need to bring these games over. And those are all famously bad ports too. So like, probably because they weren't based on like source code. I guess, <laughs> but it, 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 like, wouldn't that at that point be like, oh maybe we should hang on to this stuff. <laughs> it just seems strange, is all I'm saying. We've also, I think, both been playing Tetris 99. Yeah, that's right. Man, Tetris 99 is great so addicting i'm terrible at it i'm so focused on my own game board that uh i'm not really paying attention to what else is going on i feel like in order to be really good at tetris 99 you have to be able to do a little bit of both like see what else is going on with the other like players yeah at the same time that you're focused on your own thing and, and i think a lot of that just comes down to managing uh like just between the two uh the two toggles of like are you going to go for easy KOs or are you going to be targeting the attackers who are attacking you? Um, or I guess if you want to try and take out like the giants that you hit, hit the badge um, so that you're targeting people who have badges, I mean, people who are already doing very well. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, but my go-to strategy and Sarah expressed this to uh, you earlier tonight um, is to start by getting the easy KOs and then switch over to attackers just to like kind of play defensively anyone that is targeting you that you can try and knock them out before they get you. I was playing earlier tonight before we started recording and I felt really targeted. Like there would be times where like immediately at the start of the game uh yeah, you see like seven there'd lines be like seven people yeah like seven people targeting me and I would die almost immediately and I felt like they could smell the chum in the water. Like I'm not great at this game, and so they could just like swarm. So I was trying to find like, is there a way that people can is tell? Is there that- a loser toggle? <laughs> exactly. Like, is there a way that people can see like my win loss rate or like my average place or something? I don't think there is. I think I was just unlucky because the times I was doing fairly well, like to end in the top fifteen, which is like ecstatically good for me. I. I feel like I lucked into it by just not being targeted initially. And it wasn't until it got whittled down that people were like, wait a second, there's somebody bad here. We can kill him easily. Guys, get him. Yeah. But Uh, it's really fun. Yeah, no, I I think it's a, I think it is a special little game. 
I love that Nintendo has found a way to make, like, it is a, a uniquely uh, Tetris Nintendo experience that, like, it feels, it has the same feeling of, like, a Game Boy Tetris, where you're like, yep, I associate this with the system, it is perfect, I love it, and that's all I want to do. Uh, on, And I understand, the Switch can do so many things. <laughs> but you can play Tetris on it, it feels great. Uh, I, I have also been playing a little bit of Captain Toad Treasure Tracker um, since the two new updates. Uh, the, the one update which allows for co-op play right now and the other one that uh, introduces more missions uh, in March or whatever. Um, I have not yet had the opportunity to try out the, like, the one new mission that it lets you play ahead of time. Um, but Sarah and I were playing through the, uh, the co-op. And uh, so... Most of this game is about positioning a camera so you can see what's going on, right? So you can move your little toad around the map and see the see behind things. Did it already have a two-player mode that was basically that? Like one person controlled toad and one person controlled the camera? Or am I totally making that No, up? I think that's correct. Okay. Um, but in this mode, in this co-op mode, there are two toads and you have to wrestle for control of the camera. <laughs> You both can do it with the right thumbstick. Um, and so, like, you've really got to communicate with each other or just accept the fact that uh, a lot of times the camera is going to be wrestled away from yeah, you. Yeah, Jesus take the wheel, or in this case, Sarah. Yeah, Jesus or Sarah, whichever I trust Whoever's more. closest. Yeah, who, and who knows? Who knows? Um, but, I mean, it's, it's still Captain Toad. It's still super fun and super cute. We've both been playing Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest yep. uh, for Retro Month, and of course, the Yoshi's Crafted World and Demon X Machina demos, which we're going to be talking about on Thursday, so come back for that. All right, great. Mark, that's what we've been playing next week. This week, oh boy. <laughs> let's get into we the might new... be playing them next we week, too. Play... I am definitely going to play Tetris 99 next week. Um, let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Today, February 19th, Steins Gate Elite is released for the Switch, as well as the PS4, PC, and maybe Xbox One as well. What is Steins Gate? So Steins Gate is a, or, okay, my understanding of what Steins Gate is, perfect, is that it's a manga that has also been turned into an anime, and then this, Steins Gate Elite, is a re-release, kind of like a, it's not, it's more than a remaster of the visual novel that was released on the PS3. Okay. PC. So the visual novel, again, my understanding, is basically tells the entire story. Uh, before it was based on like the manga art. This time it includes the Steins Gate Elite, Re Elite release includes scenes from the anime. Okay. That help All tell right. the story as well. Um, it's about scientists who figure out that they can send text messages or emails into the past through a microwave. And it's like uh, through a microwave oven or through like microwave technology through a microwave oven. Okay. <laughs> All right. Cool. And um, I my understanding is that it's a mix of genres. So you know, like one moment it's really like funny, lighthearted. The next moment it's might turn into something darker. I I don't know that I've ever played a visual novel or like experienced a visual novel before. So I'm a a little bit interested. Just You're curious, this, if nothing else. Yes, curious yeah. is a great way to put it. Uh, well, and it is good that you have some curiosity there, because I would say that there is nothing else coming out this week that interests me even at all. That's true. So should we read 
uh, some of the stuff that's coming out on February 21st. Sure. Let's go back and forth. Sure. Uh, Origami Shadow Edition. My Arctic Farm 2018. Xmorph Defense. Hellwarder. Warplanes WW2 Dogfight. Almost There, The Platformer. Uh, okay. Cube? Cube? It's Q, period. U, period. B, period. E, period. Two. Two. <laughs> uh, Yumaniki uh, Dream Diary. The Journal Down Trilogy. Gigantic Army. Devil Engine. Rotating Brave. Raining Coins. Smashing the Battle. Surf Fingers. Now, if you thought you heard Surf Fingers, no. you're wrong. I'm sorry. to. I, I regret to inform you there's only one F yeah. in that word. Because uh, it is a single word. So I do think it's worth reading these because a lot of times we're just like dismissive of the indie games. But that's just because we don't know what they are. There might be something that's really cool in here. Right. We just don't know. Uh, so if any of these jumped out to you as something that you're like, oh, that's actually a pretty good game. I mean, my Arctic farm, like that actually sounds interesting. What does that mean? How do you make a farm in the Arctic? I mean, here's... I like Stardew Valley. Here's where I back away from it is the 2018. My Arctic Farm 2018 means there have been many My Arctic Farms. <laughs> but it would be new to you. <laughs> It'd be your first... Everybody's... Every year's release of My Arctic Farm is... Is somebody's first. first. Exactly. <laughs> Let uh, us never forget. Yeah, and we never will. Um, all right, so a bunch of... Uh, oh, I was going to say you can email us and let us know, it, even if one of these is like, oh, that's not a bad game. Yeah, because here's the thing. We always want to know when we're being knuckleheads. Oh, totally. Like, if we're being dismissive about something that's really cool, I really, I genuinely want to know that. Yeah, and, and I mean, coming out on the 22nd, Quest for the Golden Duck and Tear Chains of Valhalla come out. One of those could be fine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, email us Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. All right, Mark, let's uh, get out of the new releases. Now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Mark, it is the season, so we are going to be talking about Girl Scout cookies. Have you purchased any Girl Scout cookies this year? I, I haven't this year. I have, uh, in my office, somebody brought their daughter. They had like a, a wagon full of cookies. and was a, like A wagon full of daughters? <laughs> uh and they were walking around the office yeah and um so wait this, i this, i did i did not purchase any this was the kind of like real-time selling where they have the cookies right there and they, i mean they like really worked it so they did both yeah. like uh you could go to the person's office and you know like order them and then also the daughter came and did the sell in person. So, so they were like really working the room. They knew what was going on. So when when Girl Scouts do that, are they 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 bought those cookies ahead of time, right? And they're just I, like trying to sell them. Is that like how that? that works? That makes I have, sense. To I have me. no idea. I, I would guess so. I don't know. Did you ever? Did you participate in scouting or anything like that growing up? Not scouting, but like I did for uh, you know various plays I was in or orchestras I was in. Have to sell like candy bars like or popcorn or something. I never sold popcorn. It was always candy. Okay, so because like the school fundraisers that I did that were candy bars, uh-huh. those I feel like we had to and by we i mean my parents bought like right, the box up, of, up front it's yeah. like 50 bucks or something like uh, something outrageous for that like yeah. that and then 
you sold the candy to make your money back, that doesn't really sound right either. I can't no, remember I think exactly that how that is works. right. I think that is right that you buy the that you buy the box for like half of what you end up selling it for, but you have to sell all of it. And you're a kid walking around with a box full of candy, <laughs> like you end up eating about half of it. With Girl Scout cookies, maybe it works a similar way, but that seems crazy to me, right? There must be two phases of this. There must be, like, where you can order a certain number and then they ship those to you. So, like, if I only wanted to take sure, yeah. the, like, specific orders and only fill those orders, then I could do that. Or I could be like, uh, this year, daughter, we're dumbling down. I'm just, like, buying boxes and right. it's our job right. as a family as a unit to like get these out into the world. It also may be something that like a troop does too, right? That they're like, okay, we're, we're, we're going to set a goal of, we're going to get all of these. And you know, if, if someone sells, uh, sells out of theirs and someone else can't uh, sell the rest of theirs, that like you push those cookies on to the person who's good at I selling. Mean, that's how it worked in troop Beverly Hills. <laughs> Pretty much like they thank were, you, thank you. they were all like all in their troops. They were standing outside and they're uh -huh. like, how many, you know, boxes should we sign up Troop Beverly Hills for? And everybody thought they weren't going to sell any. So they were like, a lot. Or they gave a specific number or something right. like that. And then there's a whole montage where they're, like, outside of fitness clubs, singing songs and doing all this kind of stuff. And I assume it's based on real life. Truth I, and comedy. I, I don't know why Troop Beverly Hills would be based on not real life. Yeah. Um, I do, now that you mention it, remember going around door-to-door -door selling... Uh, was it popcorn or just like other snack food kind of stuff in a, in a very like uh, that you had to like sign up on a sheet and like they would give you money or a check? How, how would this work? Or maybe they just like signed up to buy the stuff and then they had to like go to the school to like actually pick it up. Yeah. Okay. So I when I was younger. It's a massively inconvenient way to shop. When I, I mean, you're, you're not doing it because you want the product. No. Well, it's like in Girl Scout cookies are maybe the one exception. The yeah. vast majority of the time, you're doing it because it's, like, your neighbor or somebody you know, and you're just being supportive. Yeah. Like, my parents bought so much garbage uh, just because they're, like, I mean, you, have, the, to, you have to do it. There were a lot of kids it. in the house, too, so, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just, like, you have to do this. Like, we want you to participate, but we don't actually want you going door-to-door -door bugging the neighbors about oh, like, I see what magazine you're saying. subscriptions yeah. or something. So, <laughs> we're just going to, like, buy the things. Um. But yeah, like I, I was so I was in Boy Scouts when I was young. I guess Cub Scouts. I don't know. I can't remember what the distinction is, or like. Well, I guess we'll never know uh, for we, sure. No one will ever know. Maybe that's a topic for another four thirty three. Possibly. Love we, it when that happens. We did not actually talk about Girl Scout cookies at all in this one. <laughs> Today we were accompanied by the Dopia Big Band. All right, Mark. Let's get into the news. In last week's Nintendo Direct, we learned that a port of Rune Factory 4 is headed to Switch sometime this year, and it was also teased that Rune Factory 5 is in the works. While no other information was revealed at that time about Rune Factory 5, the Japanese website uh, for the game includes mention of a planned 2020 release date, so seems like it could be coming, at least in Japan, in 2020. Uh, yeah, but th I mean, that doesn't seem like it'll be any indication of when it would come out stateside, right? Yeah, or, yeah. It was a little surprising for me to see Rune Factory featured in such a uh, big way in, in a Nintendo Direct. Um, I know that there were a lot of, like, RPGs and specifically JRPGs uh, in this thing, but it, it felt a little 
uh, I don't know the the I didn't expect it to be so so forward in in their presentation. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think it occupied like a ton of time in the presentation. I felt like it was forever. <laughs> but I do think it's like twofold. One, um, you know, Nintendo these Nintendo directs are I'm sure not just for the fans, but they are also you know, Nintendo building relationships with these third parties being like, hey, you know, if you bring games to your system, we are going to feature you in our most high profile yeah. public event. So I, I feel like that probably plays a part in it as well. And then also, like you're saying, this one did seem to be a lot of like RPG focus. And I think some of that is just like when they're putting these together, deciding either if there's going to be like an overarching theme or just like how they're going to balance the stories of these directs. Yeah. Well, and I guess it's also just hard uh, with the amount, not hard, but like uh, with the amount of support that Square Enix is providing right now, and especially with the onslaught of Final Fantasy games coming that like, yeah, basically any direct that you were going to do now was going to have a lot of RPGs in it anyway. Uh, so yeah, lean into it. Speaking of the RPGs, um, in is it crazy that this year Game Freak is releasing a new Pokemon game and that town RPG, which we don't, I guess we don't really know that much about, but I forgot about it when we were listing like releases that are oh, coming yeah. out this year and releases that could be amazing or a big deal, if nothing else. Yeah. Although I guess like most of Game Freak's not Pokemon related games usually aren't like huge deals. It's yeah. not like they, they're not like Factor 5 trying to make, or is that right? Factor 5, Level 5? Factor yeah, 5 was like the. Yeah, uh, it's like the old Rogue Squadron guys, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Level 5 where they're always trying to make new uh franchises or balance a bunch of franchises it feels like game freak is pretty much like pokemon's our bread and butter and that's what we're really focused on and then occasionally we're just releasing these other games that we're just like working on yeah great games like uh why can't i think of the name of this stupid game pocket card jockey no that was was that game freak wasn't it game freak i don't know you're the one that's played it it probably is for whatever reason i was thinking it was like how laboratory or something but i think you're right i think you're right i think it is game freak we've talked about pocket card junkie jockey enough on this show that i should just know it we've talked about it so much i would say that i'm a pocket card junkie mm, i was about to boo it but i can't because i love it and also because you said it <laughs> uh okay game informer senior editor imran khan uh we've been he's been getting like a shout out basically every week on what our up, show for imran? the past few weeks uh last week he uh we mentioned him for talking about what he'd heard regarding the rumored western or western localization of mother three and a few weeks ago for what he knew about the metroid prime 4 development prior to the retro reboot this week he was on kind of funny games daily and he dropped two int intriguing rumors first that a game that was, quote, very officially canceled, end quote, is being revived by Nintendo. Very so, officially canceled. Right. So, like, very publicly, like, this game is dead, right. is being brought back by Nintendo. We don't know if he's talking about a, or at least from what I could read, if he was talking about a first-party title, are we seeing, like, Project Hammers coming back, or, um, like, a third-party title. There was a lot of... the popular speculation uh today has been that scale, scale bound is the title so i don't know it's an interesting an intriguing uh tidbit do you think it is at all possible that this refers back to the earlier imran khan story uh about mother three because he thought that that was he said as far as i know that's a dead end I, I will say no, because only that was never pub like very publicly canceled. I guess it yeah, never like true, publicly yeah. existed. Metroid Dread, then. 
also just barely mentioned. Yeah, that's you true. know, and then just like disappeared. Uh, the second rumor they brought up is that Square Enix and Nintendo have been having discussions or were having discussions about Kingdom Hearts on Switch. According to Imran, the it was decided that Kingdom Hearts 3 was too demanding for the platform, but he believes that they probably settled on bringing over the HD re-releases of the older games. He notes that he's not sure if like it's in active development or that's what was decided, but that's what he thinks happened or is happening. Uh, and I guess that wouldn't be super surprising right those uh those games have been around for a while and you know square loves to bring their games to every platform eventually um uh, we're getting final fantasy 7 on switch so like yeah let's get kingdom hearts 1 and 2 and all the other numbers in between yeah it makes sense to me too all the numbers between 1 and 2 there are a lot in the kingdom hearts franchise I guess there are a lot also in mathematics. An so. infinite number. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, while we're dabbling in the realm of complete rumor, there's speculation that a port of The Witcher 3 could be coming to Switch. Okay. So I feel like this has been out in the ether for a while. We might have even talked about it at some point. Last year, a French website, uh, they're a, a French game wholesaler specifically, listed Switch versions of both Assassin's Creed 3 and Witcher 3 coming to Switch. Uh, we now know that Assassin's Creed 3 for Switch is a real thing, so could Witcher 3 be as well? I mean, if one thing is real, why shouldn't two things? Or an infinite number of things, since <laughs> we're very good at math. That's right. Uh, adding fuel to the fire, a job listing for a software engineer at CD Projekt Red-owned GOG Galaxy mentions Switch along with other platforms. So it's important to remember that GOG Galaxy is a gaming client used for buying and playing games, basically like, or my understanding is the equivalent of the Steam oh, or okay. something like that. So this doesn't mean that it's necessarily Switcher related. They also have like that Switcher card game. Sorry, oh, sorry. Witcher You're Switcher. <laughs> I think multiple times. Right. <laughs> uh, Witcher card game and yeah, something. Gwent. Yeah, and I think something else that's also published by CD Projekt Red. Um, I mean, you're bearing the lead here. Obviously, it means that they are bringing uh, Cyberpunk. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> to the to the Switch. Yes, very similar to how uh, Metro Exodus became a Epic Game Store exclusive. We're breaking it now. <laughs> uh, Cyberpunk, whatever it's called, is becoming a Switch exclusive. Yeah, there, there's a number after the word Cyberpunk. Twenty ninety nine. Twenty forty eight. Yeah, sure. Read only memory. <laughs> The year we made contact. Mm -hmm. uh, Nintendo World Report published an art. Oh, sorry. Was there any, like, uh, Witcher 3? I haven't played it. I've played no games in the Witcher series. I am uh, have heard nothing but good things about Witcher 3. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's exactly where I am, too. I had a roommate who was really into the first two Witcher games, um, which he played obsessively on his computer. But they, they were the kind of games that he was uh, fiercely antisocial about. Mm -hmm. So, like... Um, I didn't get to experience them much. He just went into his bedroom and played them. Oh, and yeah. And then, like, would come out later and be like, I've been playing Witcher 3 for eight hours. I'm like, well, cool. I don't know what that means. When it, you know, if he was playing a game on, like, Xbox or, like, playing a game on the uh, Wii, you know, it was out in the living room and we were playing it together. And that was fun. So I've got a little hostility towards the Witcher franchise. You're, you're getting a little hot, but I don't blame you. It's not It's not the Witcher's fault. It's Andrew Blevins' fault. Andrew? <laughs> Uh, I'm fine if, like, one news episode this year we just turn into an airing of grievances, <laughs> video game-related grievances, calling people out by name. Yep. I, I, I'm I fine with that. Um, there was something else I was going to say about this specifically. Oh, and that in addition to 
all the other just like rumors that have been going around and are constantly going around about games that might be coming to Switch. One thing that's been out there uh, in a generalization is that we should expect a lot of third-party ports this year just because people are seeing how you know successful the Switches and putting yeah. games on Switch are and that there are third-party like games that we wouldn't necessarily expect. Sure. So, the, I mean, we... Uh, you know, I, I, we've been talking for a long time about how there are a ton of games just coming to the Switch. We read and made fun of a list of games that are coming out on Tuesday um, because maybe we're bad people. Um, but we're just ignorant, if nothing else. Yeah, which that's a fine line between the two. Um, but I, I do think we will start to see uh, that, like the upper end of that tested to see like what how many big releases can actually come out on this thing. And when I say big releases, I mean from the last 10 years. Like, I don't know that there's really going to be, uh, there's not going to be an easy cutoff for us to say, oh, no, that came out too long ago. No one cares about it anymore. I mean, I mean, I think like even potentially Diablo 3 is a little bit of a North Star here. Yeah. We're like, that's an, an potentially unexpected choice on from a developer that we haven't seen support nintendo for a long time yeah so i don't have anything i'm not like going anywhere with that right other than to say no one has any idea what's coming yeah there's there's gonna be a lot and it'll be interesting to see uh if it ever stops speaking of which nintendo world report published an article from emily rogers citing multiple sources report uh saying that quote a small select number of traditional first-party software titles may receive VR support in the not-too-distant future. What does this mean? I don't know. I mean, even before the Switch was released, we saw a patent from Nintendo for, like, a visor that you could put the Switch tablet part into, right? Or, like, yeah, the Switch console put, itself. Yeah, you would put the gamepad, like, in, in your glasses, basically, and that the uh, uh, Joy-Cons would then like register like the movement uh and, and all of that yeah to turn the to turn the system that already exists into a uh a, a virtual reality machine i don't think it has the like technical power to run virtual reality right yeah that um i would not think so right? because a playstation 4 on its own doesn't have the ability to do that it has like an extra processing box but i think that's because because like phones do it Right, you could take mm-hmm. like your Samsung Galaxy phone and put, or like an HTC whatever, and put it yeah, into like a headset, Google Cardboard. Right, and yeah. so I, I, I don't know the specifics of it. The thing that's interesting to me about this is that a small select number of traditional first-party software titles. The fact that like traditional first-party software titles is in there, like. Are we talking games that have already come out that are going to get VR support? Oh, interesting, interesting. Um, are these all punch out vr right or i'm talking like odyssey super mario odyssey vr right like games that already exist and are out on switch oh or does this just mean that we're going to get this like the peripheral that you can put on your head and then they will finally port the virtual boy uh, software library Uh, as we have said on this show many times at this point the 3ds was the perfect opportunity for that if they were ever going to do it still can't believe they didn't do it uh i wonder if it's like labo related there's been speculation about that about like another labo kit coming sometime this year does that also fall in line with it being um uh like vr related 
but I mean you that make that, the VR visor. But that falls pretty squarely outside the realm of uh, traditional uh, first. But it could be game. both. Yeah. Right. If if they are uh, jumping into VR, it may not just be one or the other. I I don't know. I I've discussed on this show that I generally have very little interest in VR, so this isn't particularly exciting for me. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm interested to see what Nintendo's Nintendo's interest in VR is. Um, as a recent convert to VR, I really hope that it is not a uh, like Labo-driven thing. I, I do think a lot of the VR experience, a lot of what makes that uh, comfortable and therefore any good at all, um, is like the like ergonomic function of the headset itself. And I think that's one of the things that the PlayStation VR does so well, is that it feels like a solid piece of equipment. It's light on your head. It's comfortable. Um, and if like I'm trying to mess with some cardboard to like get it to rest on my nose properly, like that that's not gonna be that's not gonna be a pleasant experience. Right now Tetris ninety nine only has a single game mode and during its reveal Nintendo promised that online events would be coming to the game in the future. But that might not be the only new content on its way. Data miner Oatmeal Dome has found evidence of other uh, when I wrote down Oatmeal Dome, I was trying to think, like, are there any dirty connotations to this name? Should I not be saying it? We don't have to discuss it. Let that just linger out there. I, um, I will go out on a limb and say that I do not think there are any dirty connotations to Oatmeal Dome unless they're poop-related. <laughs> and even that's a stretch. That's meeting, that's meeting the entendre more than halfway. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so Oatmeal Dome, we're free to say it. Yep. Uh, everybody roll down your windows to scream it. Nobody can get mad. Oatmeal Dome! Uh, has found evidence of other game modes that could be added in the future, including Team Battle, Two Giant Teams Clash, Be on the Winning Side. I'm assuming these um, descriptions are also in the uh, data. They're very specific. Com Battle, Battle Against 98 Bots, Defeat the Machines, and Marathon, Score Attack, uh, 200 Lines or Endless. Um, so I guess Com Battle is at least interesting in that like you could play uh tetris 99 even when you're not connected which i guess that is the the one drawback to tetris 99 right now is that if you are traveling and not connected to wi-fi and you want your tetris fix uh tetris 99 can't give it to you also so if it came with like difficulty settings it'd be perfect for somebody who like me i could get a moral victory right i just mean like who woo i took down the computer on like medium or something <laughs> take that computer but i love the idea that uh they're just going to be adding additional content to tetris 99 yeah you know what uh they need to add to it dr mario <laughs> hey you know you have dr mario world coming later this year oh i do have dr mario world you have coming something later to look this forward year. to if dr mario world is just tetris 99 but with dr mario i am there truth be told whatever <laughs> dr mario world is i am there especially because you know it's going to be free oh yeah on monday yacht club club games announced a delay of shovel knight king of cards shovel knight showdown the shovel knight treasure trove switch and ps4 physical editions and the treasure trove amiibo three pack they were just like hey sorry we're delaying all of it um originally planned for an april 9th release the there's no new release date although yacht club games assures fans they're talking about a delay of several months at most they're saying this is quote not a major delay um, that reads as a major delay to me. Yeah, uh, I I agree. I was surprised that they made that distinction because a delay of several months feels like I yeah. guess I guess they're trying to reassure fans that even though they're not giving a date, they're not talking about like Christmas or next year or something. Yeah, but I mean, even from from April, several months 
Well, that could be Christmas, right? Well, like, I, no, I or what's the cutoff for several? This is this is between one and two. <laughs> I would say uh, three. I think mm. I think we're looking at a by, summer release. Yeah, summer release. Um, Maybe a late summer release. And that's okay. And I guess you know, uh, I, I wasn't. I every time I think about Shovel Knight, King of Cards, I'm excited again. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's not something that I'm like, oh yeah. And where is Shovel Knight? Um, it'll come. It's just it's it's been. By the time this comes out, it will have been over, well over two years since the last uh, campaign came out. Because the last campaign launched with Switch, right? Yeah. Or it was a little bit afterwards. No, it was it was a a, a release. Uh, a a March third release. Um, I remember because I played through it before I like fell in love with Breath of the Wild. Like I I played a little bit of Zelda and was like, all right, let me check out this uh, Specter Knight uh, campaign, and then played all the way through that, and then went back to Zelda. Um, so I I loved that, uh, and I assume that I will love King of Cards as well. But like, you just gotta wait a little bit more. Finally, uh, now through Saturday, February 23rd, if you buy Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu or Pokemon Let's Go Eevee at Best Buy, they'll give you a collectible steelbook as well. Uh, so it is my understanding that you can also go to Best Buy with your receipt for the copy of Let's Go Eevee or Let's Go Pikachu that you bought from Best Buy many months ago and demand your steelbook. That sounds great. Do it politely, a polite demand. Sure. I'm saying this is something that can be done. I mean, you're entitled to it. Right. So go in there, <laughs> cause a stink, say, no, I don't have my receipt. Hitching your pants up. <laughs> and going, well, well. Pick a fight. Uh, all right, Mark, let's get out of the news. That is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts if you like the episode. You can share it wherever you share stuff, on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. And the show is at Nincart Society. Um, remember to come back on Thursday because we are going to be talking about those demos that dropped last week for Damon X Machina and the other one. Yoshi's, Yoshi's Crafted, Crafted World. World um, at gmail.com. Uh, you can, uh, wh- where was I? Olivia this- Duncan made Olivia our logo. Olivia Duncan made our logo. <laughs> the music is provided by 8 Betty. If you like his music, you can get more of it by going to 8BitBetty.com or by listening right now. From my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. Fire.